everybody, this is the Locked On Indian Alliance Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, February 10th, 2020. We are getting a brand new week started, talking some Penn State football, and we have a lot to get into in today's episode because Penn State has found their defensive line coach. A former Nittany Lion has been killing it in the XFL after one whole game. And, of course, a number of Penn State players are heading out to the NFL Scouting Combine later this month. And, oh, by the way, Michigan State is still searching for a head coach, at least as of the time of this recording. I'm Kevin McGuire. Pleased to be with you here, as always, talking some Penn State football and I want to encourage and invite you guys to make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you never miss a single episode on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. We also have an RSS feed so once you're subscribed in whatever podcasting app you may be using please feel free to leave a review, leave a rating. It'll help us out so much as we move forward in 2020 with this podcast. Of course we also want you to be a part of the podcast and the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. We'll mix them into the show every time we get a chance to do so. And of course, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. With all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode. I feel as though a recurring theme when we get a chance to do some podcasts the last couple of weeks has been the fact that the Penn State coaching staff is continuing to have some turnover with coaches moving on to other positions and of course new coaches coming in. That was one of the ideas we talked about in our last episode on Friday, which was of course the vacancy at defensive line coach. Sean Spencer leaving the Penn State Nittany Lions to go on and coach for the New York Giants in the NFL. It's obviously a a good step forward as far as the profession is concerned, but I guess the question was going to be how long was it going to take for Penn State to find a replacement for defensive line coach Sean Spencer, and of course on Sunday, we officially got our answer. I think it actually leaked on Saturday, and I think Penn State officially announced it on Sunday. Whatever the case may have been, Penn State has their defensive line coach, and it will be John Scott Jr., who's coming to Penn State after one season at South Carolina. He has had a number of spots Uh, stops in his coaching tenure uh, throughout his career and of course this means that Penn State now has a full and complete staff who is John Scott Jr. well he's known most recently for coaching up Javon Kinlaw at South Carolina into becoming a first team all SEC coach uh, SEC player as determined by the SEC coaches last season he spent two seasons at Arkansas so he's got some good South Southeastern Conference experience the last few seasons and he's also a South Carolina native so it always helps having some coaches that are familiar with the southern regions because let's face it there's a lot of football talent to be had down there so if you're going to send him out on the recruiting trail he can probably give you a couple tips uh, as far as the the hot spots in South Carolina and Georgia and other spots certainly around the SEC country the AC country are concerned so that's always a nice little asset to have as far as the recruiting efforts are concerned but obviously you want to have a guy that's going to continue what Sean Spencer has been doing for a long time before his departure which was bring up the energy coach up these defensive linemen and develop them into being some of the more consistent players that Penn State has seen that's been my stance I feel like as much as you want to talk about linebacker you at Penn State to me Really, over the last decade or whatever it's been now, I feel like the defensive line has really been kind of leading the charge there. Obviously, the linebackers are going to be the stars every now and then, and uh, Penn State certainly has a good one right now with Micah Parsons. But 
To me, the defensive line has been essential to the success that Penn State has been able to have over the tenure of James Franklin in Happy Valley. And that's going to be charged now to John Scott Jr. to continue keeping that energy going and continue to develop some of those defensive linemen into being some of the star players that they have been. So I think there's a a good transition here. I don't really know a whole lot about John Scott Jr. as far as his his defensive linemen coaching abilities are concerned. But obviously he had a first-team All-SEC player that he worked with last year. So that's always a good sign. We'll see if that can carry over into the Big Ten. And you know, obviously there's uh, there's going to be some good talent that he's going to have to work with. So uh, this is a guy, like I said, he's had a number of spots uh, stops along the way. He's been an assistant under Brent Pry, who's, of course, the Penn State defensive coordinator uh, at a couple spots, including Georgia Southern, I believe it was, and Louisiana Lafayette. So he's been coached a few years under Brent Pry. So there's a good familiarity, a good relationship there. I think Penn State can build off of. He's also been at Texas Tech and a number of FCS uh, positions, uh, actually including Georgia Southern when they were an FCS program. So he's been all over the place, and I think this is another uh, another coach that's coming into the program who has some of that small school experience. And I think if you look around uh, James Franklin's staff, you have a lot of guys that have worked at the lower levels of college football. And to me, I think that's uh, that speaks volumes about uh, the coaching abilities that they really do have because I think it takes a little bit more to coach up some of those players. You may not be getting the big contracts that a lot of the, the conferences or the power conferences are going to offer, but I think you get a chance to really work on a higher level and develop those relationships, I believe, at those lower levels like Division Two and the FCS, Division Three, if you want to go down that far. So I think there's something to be said about that uh, character building. I think it, you, know, you work your way up, and I think that that's certainly something that has paid off for John Scott Jr., obviously getting a chance to coach at Texas Tech and Arkansas and South Carolina, and now getting a chance to go at Penn State. With the addition of John Scott Jr., Penn State has officially locked down all of their coaching assignments for the upcoming season. And there were a few changes to some of the assignments that we have uh, with Penn State going in this year. Obviously, you know, um, John Scott Jr. is going to be your defensive line coach. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield, the new wide receiver coach, and Phil Trotwain, the new offensive line coach. Those are going to be the primary responsibilities for those coaches. New offensive coordinator, Kirk Soroka, he's also going to be the quarterback's coach. Uh, some other changes to some uh existing co- not existing coaches but coaches that are already on the staff uh in th- some of the duties that they're going to have joe lorig who is the outside linebackers coach uh now is going to continue on as a special teams coordinator i said that wrong he's, he's a special teams coordinator joe lorig he's also going to now be the outside linebackers coach and on top of his special teams duties Tyler Bowen, who filled in as the interim offensive coordinator, is now going to be labeled as the co-offensive coordinator. He'll also continue being the offensive recruiting coordinator and the tight ends coach, so no changes there. He's just adding a new title as co-offensive coordinator, uh, given his experience as an interim offensive coordinator. So that's a, that's a good step up for him. Nice little title addition for him, keeping him happy there. Uh, Juwan Sider, who's going to be the new run game coordinator. Of course, Sean Spencer was the run game coordinator before he left to take on the job with the New York uh, Giants. Uh, Juwan Sider is going to remain the running back coach. And of course, now he's just going to take over the run game coordinator. So I think that's a, a natural decision that would had to be made by James Franklin. And of course, uh, that's going to wrap it up for all the coaching staff changes. Every other coach that's on the staff is going to have the same responsibilities if I didn't mention them. So no real changes there. No, nothing real surprising there. But obviously, when you have so many new coaches coming in, it's best just to hash out everything that everybody's going to be doing for the new season moving forward. So I think it all seems to make sense as far as I'm concerned. 
Coming up in my next segment, we're going to split the topics down the line. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL scouting combine that's coming up and the XFL debut of one Matt McGloin. Also, got a couple thoughts on the first weekend of the XFL to share with you guys. Let me know what you guys think as well. This is the Locked On Indian Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. As you may be aware, it is now NFL draft season for the world of college football and the NFL. It's always a great time when all the mindsets from college football and the NFL world collide and come together and start to learn a little bit about each other. We find out what NFL teams are interested in which college football players to fill out some of the roster needs that they have. And of course, this is the introduction for a lot of NFL people to get to know some of the people that us college football fans have been following and and watching on a regular basis for the last couple of years, uh, maybe up to four or five years. So this is always a fun and exciting time. And it's it's kind of like we get to, to see our college football favorites move on and we wish them well as they go on to the NFL. Of course, one of the big first steps along the way, in addition to the all-star games that we just witnessed with the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game and all that good stuff, is, of course, the NFL Scouting Combine, which comes up at the end of the month, February 24th through March 1st. It's once again in Indianapolis. I believe it's been in Indianapolis every year as long as I can remember. I don't know if they've played it or done it in a different event since I've started following. But it, nonetheless, will be in Indianapolis, of course, which is the site of the Big Ten Championship game. But that's another topic. Uh, Penn State will be sending five players off to the NFL Scouting Combine. As of now, five have been invited. There's always a possibility that another one could be added to the list between now and the end of February. But for now, five Penn State players are making their way to Indianapolis. They have now had 20 players in the last three years be invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. Now, of course, some other schools are going to have way more players on a regular basis. Michigan always sends a lot of players. Ohio State, of course. Uh, schools like Alabama and Florida, they're always going to have a lot of players. Georgia, they're always going to have a ton of players go to the NFL Scouting Combine. But it's, you know, getting five players invited, that's not bad. And, of course, this year's crop of Penn State players are going to be some players that are, are going to be pretty interesting to see, to see how they perform. And we got a lot of defensive players going this year. The only offensive player will be wide receiver KJ Hamler. And of course, on the defensive side, you've got defensive end Yoder Gross Matos, uh, linebacker Cam Brown, defensive tackle Robert Windsor, and cornerback John Reed. Now, of all those players out there, uh, you know, obviously, Yoder Gross Matos is one of the guys that's going to be a little bit more highly um, scrutinized because I think that he probably has the highest draft potential out of the group of Penn State players going on. But I think a combine like this is a good opportunity for a player like John Reed and Robert Windsor to really kind of showcase what they can do. And, you know, putting in some good reps in the, the different workouts could be huge for players like those where I don't know exactly what their draft stock is, but this is an opportunity to really increase it and wow some people. And that's one of the things that Penn State players have typically been doing the last few years at the NFL scouting comments. In addition to Saquon Barkley, you know, Miles Sanders, they have had some good feedback coming from the scouts and the people that really pay attention to the stuff that goes on at the combine. And I think it's a really good recruiting tool when scouts and analysts are looking at what players from your school are doing. And that speaks well of the head coach that's in position, sending those players off to Indianapolis as they go and try to make uh, their inroads on in the NFL. So that's been one of the things that I have particularly taken notice of. You know, there's been a lot of positive feedback about the way that the Penn State players that arrive at the combine are prepared 
and ready to showcase what they're all about. And of course, it's not just the workouts. It's also the interviews that they have to go through. And I think it's a credit to what James Franklin and his staff have continued to be doing at Penn State. And it's really kind of changing the way that Penn State players, I think, are perceived. And you look at the NFL, obviously Saquon Barkley's doing his thing. You know, Miles Sanders has been doing really well in his first year at the Eagles. But you have playmakers around the league that have played for James Franklin that are starting to make some really good impressions. And in many cases, those first impressions are made at the NFL Scouting Combine because for the first time, uh, unless you've been watching college football, this is where you're going to be introduced to a lot of these players. Uh, So I think this is a really big opportunity for players like Cam Brown and K.J. Hamler and John Reed and Robert Winter to really showcase their talents and their mental side of it because I think that they are going to be the players that have the biggest upswing potential at the NFL scouting combine. Gross Matters, I think it's going to be fine. I think, like I said, I think he has the best draft stock out there, you know, at least from what I've seen. You now, potential first rounder, I guess. But I think uh, the other guys are a little bit more of a question mark just because of uh, where they are coming into the scouting combine, how the NFL scouts are viewing all these players, and, of course, the players that they're going to be going up against in their positions to try and uh, improve their odds when it comes around to the NFL draft. Now, real briefly, let's change the topic of conversation. Let's talk some XFL real quick. E.J. Bibbs is a fullback guardian surging forward. It's a touchdown. Lucky souvenir, souvenir up there. He just threw that ball about 40 rows deep into the end, into the bleachers. What a start on the opening drive, and Matt McGloin takes it in himself and the first touchdown in Guardians history. I remember back around the turn of the century when the XFL first became an idea that Vince McMahon brought to the table and successfully launched. (laughs) It it was successful in the fact that they actually got a chance to launch a new football league back in 2001, I think it was. And I remember I I wasn't a diehard, but I was committed to it. And I'll... Obviously, that didn't work out, and but the XFL is back, and they just launched their first uh, weekend of regular season play this p- previous weekend, and of course, included in that was a former Penn State quarterback, Matt McLoyne, getting a chance to be the starting quarterback for the New York Guardians, and his team won, <laughs> and you just heard it in the clip. He scored the first touchdown in franchise history with a nice little short run up the middle at the goal line. He would later go on to throw for at least 180 yards. He threw for a touchdown. It looked pretty good. And it looked like he had some fun out there too. And that's one of the things that I really liked about this opening weekend of the XFL because I ended up watching a lot more of it than I ever anticipated I would. More so because I was working this weekend and of course I had the TV on as a background noise, but I was I was watching a lot of it pretty intently. And I got to say, I like some of the ideas that the XFL has brought to the table. Uh, and a lot of people seem to be on board with maybe adopting some of these ideas for college football and the NFL. The two that really stand out to me, and I wrote about this on NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. Also threw it up on my own blog at No Two Minute Warning. The two rules that I really like were the kickoff rule. And, of course, it's not really a rule, but the idea of open transparency as far as the instant replay process is concerned. And I'm going to stump very hard for the Big Ten and other power conferences to start leading the charge for open transparency when it comes to the instant replay. Because every fan base around college football, Penn State included, has been angry about an instant replay decision at some point in time and it happens just about every season there's always going to be a call that you wonder what the heck are they thinking on this replay whether they get the call right or not 
at least we'll know what they were thinking. There's no more hiding behind the, the, the non-transparent uh, process of an instant replay review. You can go ahead and make up explanations for it after the fact later on, but seeing it unfold in real time really was a big win, I think, for the XFL this weekend, and I would love to see more of that around the world of football, including college football and the NFL. Coming up in the next segment, we'll take a step outside of the Penn State bubble and we'll talk about that coaching search that is ongoing at Michigan State because a few things went down on Sunday if you weren't paying attention. We'll get you all caught up on what else is going on around the Big Ten East in our next segment. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Nittany Lions is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Penn State fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Penn State fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses, right? So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. And we look forward to hearing from you. As we'll tend to do from time to time, we're going to step outside of that Penn State bubble and just touch on some of the other news and headlines that are going on around the Big Ten and the world of college football. Today, we're going to take a look at what's going on at Michigan State. Now, of course, last week, Mark D'Antonio resigned from his position as head coach of the Spartans after 13 years in charge of that football program, taking them to some Big Ten championship games, a couple Big Ten titles, of course, uh, getting Michigan State into the college football playoff. The only other team outside of Ohio State to reach the college football playoff representing the Big Ten didn't actually go very well. But hey, he got to the Big Ten, you got the Big Ten to the college football playoff. Uh, that was a tremendous credit. And of course, they've had a lot of success uh, for Michigan State during the course of Mark D'Antonio's tenure. Of course, last couple of years haven't exactly lived up to that standard, but uh, there was time for change. And regardless of the timing of it all, seeming suspicious and some of the other headlines that are out there, the thing we're going to focus on right now is where Michigan State goes from here. Because it's always going to be important to keep an eye on what the other teams in Penn State's division are doing to course correct and get things back on track. And I think that that's certainly what Michigan State is hoping to do. Find the right coaching hire, get that team back on track to being a significant player in the way that this Big Ten East, Big Ten East plays out in the years to come. Now, I don't know if they've actually struck out on some of these other coaches that have been out in the headlines. You know, we saw Pittsburgh head coach Pat, Mar- Pat Narduzzi, who, of course, was a former defensive coordinator for Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State, uh, commit himself to Pitt on National Signing Day uh, after supposedly sleeping on a potential opportunity to go to Michigan State to be the next head coach. Uh, I don't know how serious it was, but Matt Campbell of Iowa State said that he overturned uh, overtures from Michigan State to be their next head coach. And either one of those hires would have made sense for Michigan State because Matt Campbell is a coach on the rise. He's going to get another job at some point in time. Pat Narduzzi has that Michigan State connection, so that would have made sense as well. 
Uh, we saw on Saturday, I think it was, Mel Tucker, the head coach of Colorado, who's coming off his first season as a head coach, withdrew his name. I don't know how connected he was to being the next head coach, but he said that he's not going to be interested. He's going to stick at Colorado, and I think that's, that's honestly a good move for he and Michigan State. I think it might be a little bit too early for Michigan State to go all in on Mel Tucker if that were going to be the case. But that brings us to Sunday, and uh, there was an interview with Michigan State uh, Athletic Director uh, Bob Beekman, I think his name is, and Cincinnati's head coach, Luke Fickle. And that got everybody going on to the, the flight trackers online and following the progress of a plane from East Lansing to Cincinnati. And at one point, I think there was a word out there that that plane was supposed to be going to State College. So there was a brief speculation that maybe Brent Pry was going to be a candidate for the job. I don't know how legitimate that was because that information quickly changed or the flight plans quickly changed where a trip to State College wasn't going to be necessary or it wasn't going to follow through. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't look like Brent Pry is going to be a head coaching candidate for Michigan State. But as I've said before, things can change at any moment. And I should also note that at the time of this recording, Michigan State has not made a coaching hire in any way, shape or form. I don't know if that has changed since I hit record and mixed this down. So if this is outdated, I apologize, but that, such is life. But the Cincinnati head coach, Luke Fickle, seems to be the top candidate for the job. And he was always one of the betting favorites for the job as well. And that makes plenty of sense too, because he has Big Ten roots. He's been a really good coach on the rise, doing some really good things at Cincinnati. And it's only going to be a matter of time before he gets a call from a power conference program and accepts a job offer. So, unless anything has changed by the time I finish recording this podcast, we got to keep a really close eye on where Luke Fickle goes. Now, remember Luke Fickle, he was an interim head coach for Ohio State. After Jim Trestle's shenanigans uh, led to his ousting at Ohio State, Luke Fickle coached a whole season for the Buckeyes. Uh, when Urban Meyer came in, Luke Fickle stayed on the staff, and I think he was a defense coordinator, I want to say. I don't remember exactly what his official title was, but he stayed on Urban Meyer's staff. Uh, eventually, he went on to become the head coach at Cincinnati, where he has really turned that program around. And it go, looks like going into the 2020 season, he could have the best group of five team in the country. A very good chance to make a run to the New Year's Six and be the team that plays one of those power conference teams, uh, such as Memphis did. Uh, against Penn State in the Cotton Bowl this year. And in fact, if Cincinnati had beaten Memphis in the Cotton Bowl, uh, I'm sorry, in the AAC championship game, Penn State very likely would have been facing Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl instead. So uh, we've seen Luke Fickle. We know all about Luke Fickle. There's not a doubt in my mind that he would be a good coaching hire for a team like Michigan State. I think he's well-grounded enough. I think he's uh, capable of turning things around as we have seen at Cincinnati. Obviously, it might be a little bit more difficult to do so at Michigan State where you're going up against the, the Buckeyes and the Wolverines and, of course, Penn State. I think it's a little easier to turn Cincinnati around when you're in a division with, uh, what, South Florida, Temple, and UCF. As good as UCF has been, I just feel like it, there's an easier turnaround period for a program like Cincinnati in its current position compared to Michigan State and its current position. But there's no question in my mind that hiring Luke Fickle would not be a bad decision for Michigan State. How that would impact Penn State long term, maybe we can discuss that at another point in time should that become the case. But there's no there's no doubt that Luke Fickle going to Michigan State would be a win-win for Michigan State. And I, I think it would be a good spot for Luke Fickle to take that next step forward as well. 
Obviously, I think Luke Fickle was kind of hoping that maybe Ryan Day wasn't going to pan out at Ohio State. But as we saw last season, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think Ryan Day is going to be in uh, a just fine position moving forward with Ohio State. I don't think that there's going to be any pressure for Ohio State to make any kind of coaching changes and maybe go back to Luke Fickle with a little bit more head coaching experience. Uh, I think things are pretty well situated uh, for Ryan Day and Ohio State. Uh, but yeah, I think Luke Fickle, that would be his dream job. But Go to Michigan State and maybe getting a chance to beat Ohio State on a regular basis certainly would be pretty enticing, I would think. But like I said, it would certainly be a step up going from Cincinnati to Michigan State. But as far as group of five spots are concerned, Cincinnati is not a bad spot to be in. So if he wants to wait around and maybe wait for a better offer to come around, which could very well happen in the next round of the coaching cycle, staying at Cincinnati could be a realistic possibility. So, of course, we'll keep tabs on all of this moving forward. We'll see how Michigan State uh, puts together their final push for a head coaching hire. We'll see who they hire and, of course, what staff is assembled around whatever that next head coach is going to be. And we'll see. Maybe there could be someone from Penn State that leaves to go to East Lansing. Maybe they get another promotion as well. But I think that Penn State staff is probably pretty well situated at this point. I don't know if they're really going to be in much jeopardy of losing any more coaches this late in the game. But never say never. Assistant coaches leave all the time. It's pretty fascinating how quickly stuff like that can change. So we'll keep an eye on what happens with Michigan State and what, of course, that would mean for Penn State in the long term. But that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, guys. I hope we're getting your week started on the right foot. Again, we are going to have a full lineup of shows for you this week. So make sure you're subscribed. Don't miss a single episode on your favorite podcasting app. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We also have that RSS feed out there for you. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're rating and reviewing. It does help with the promotion of the show on those various podcasting apps. Helps us grow a whole lot moving forward in 2020. And we have a lot of stuff to get into because we're going to continue to take a look ahead to the scouting combine. We're going to have spring football coming up right around the corner. Stuff is going to be flying by. Before you know it, we're going to be talking about some new games in the 2020 season and so much more. Simply put, now is a great time to be subscribed to the podcast, so make sure you do that today. And spread the word on Twitter and on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Stay tuned on the Facebook page, though, because we're going to do a live video feed chat with you guys at some point this week, probably more towards the end of the week. Uh, So stay tuned for that. That's in the works right now. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out all my national college football coverage on AthonSports.com and College Football Talk on NBCSports.com. Going back to Athon Sports, I've got a ranking of the Big Ten rosters that's going to be coming out. It may be out right now, so make sure you follow me on Twitter for that. I'll be sharing that with you guys as well. Where's Penn State ranked? Pretty highly, not to spoil anything for you, but they're up there pretty good. And with that, I thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Hopefully we get your week started on the right foot. Make sure you go out and go 1-0 today. You can't go undefeated this week unless you go 1-0 today. That's what the motto we're going to live by, taking a cue from James Franklin and the way he gets his team up. We're going to try and get you up as well. So go 1-0 today, and then we'll talk about going undefeated for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Come back tomorrow. We'll have some more Penn State conversation with you guys. And until then, have a great day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.